This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, Jan Okçoğlu from American University in Washington, D.C. And I'm very happy to launch the Kurdish study series of New Books Network. Today we have our first guest, Dr. Zeynep Kaya, who is based in London teaching at SOAS. And she is also affiliated with London School of Economics and um, Cambridge University. She's also editor of Kurdish series um, affiliated with London School of Economics Middle East Center. Welcome, Zeynep. Hi, Dilan. We are very happy to have you. We are going to talk about your book, um, which you have recently released from Cambridge University Press. It's called Mapping Kurdistan, Territory, Self-Determination and Nationalism. Uh, so let's start with some general questions, um, Zeynep. Um, actually, I was curious about uh, the um, story behind this book. So can you tell us about your intellectual history and how that history informs your interests in studying Kurds and Kurdistan through the lens of debates on territory self-determination, and nationalism. Um, thank you, Dilan. First, thank you for um, having me on, um, on, the, on this podcast, and congratulations on the launch of the, of the podcast. Um, so the question of intellectual history, I think, is, in my case, very much connected to my personal history. Um, so I grew up um, in Turkey. And I'm from uh, Van, which is at the border of Iranian, uh, at the border of uh, Iran, um, and very close to the border, basically. And um, we were um, li- we lived there for about four years, and then we had to move uh, elsewhere uh, after the uh, military coup. Um, but then uh, we obviously stayed in contact. You know, we always went and visited our family there and etc. So um, growing up elsewhere, but being from Eastern Turkey or Kurdistan, um, I've been always, you know, been asking, where are you from? Oh, so you're from Kurdistan or you're, are you Kurdish or you're not Kurdish? So these types of identity issues, um, especially during that time uh, when I was growing up in the 1980s, uh, were quite prominent. Um, the Kurdish, the PKK had just launched its 
conflict you know the war against against the Turkish government um so the political environment was very tense and etc so I grew up in that environment uh, and my father was very political um he was uh, you know he was always kind of discussing these things with his friends and it, there was always some political issue being you know having been discussed in the house books and everything um so you know from a young age i became very much interested in politics i always wanted to study uh, uh politics from a from a young uh age uh, and the things that i read and the things that were discussed around me i guess informed um informed that kind of desire um so i basically studied then um international relations uh, and politics and then i really enjoyed um the research side of things um and i wasn't sure about going into the employment sector so i wanted to uh further study uh so i did a masters and then i really enjoyed that process so and i decided to do a phd um and doing phd abroad during that time so this was early 2000s and it was still a bit of a difficult time to work on the kurds in turkey so i uh, uh I did my PhD in the UK so um and I always wanted to study on the, on the issue of Kurds um so being abroad also gave me the opportunity to to pursue that uh, that that goal um basically that's kind of the background in my interest in, in about my interest in um in Kurdish and Kurdish, Kurds and Kurdish studies yeah. and territoriality yep yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I think the most intriguing part of your research is uh, your focus on the connection between territory and people. And while you do that, you also make it clear that you want to go beyond state-centering perspectives because that uh, it, it kind of dominates the field of international relations. Um, and And actually, the case in political theory or international law is not so different from international relations because the questions of territory and territoriality has been significantly neglected. Uh, uh, why do you think this is the case? Mm-hmm. I think, um, well, I, you know, it's kind of my interest in the identity between, you know, people and um, and uh, and territories. Actually, again, I think I should have to go back to my, um, like, you know, when growing up in Turkey, especially, people ask you where you're from, and then they associate um, kind of your identity, uh, your political position, so on and so forth, with your, with where you are from, the location that you're from. So that was, um, you know, and being from Eastern Turkey, uh, and then not living there, So, um, you know, when I said, when I would say, you know, I'm from this region, they would immediately say, oh, so you're, 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 you're kind of, you're Kurdish or you're this or you're that. So there's a lot of categorization, you're this, you know, the geographical imagination of, um, of identities, uh, which, you know, is a very complex process identity formation and very much neglects the idea that, you know, people, um, can choose uh, their identity, can uh, shape their political affiliations. You know, they are not bound by uh, where they are born, uh, who they are born to, what type of family they are born to, um, you know, or ethnic, um, linguistic, other types of uh, indicators. Uh, so I've always been quite, 
puzzled by how much uh, these naturally seen um, uh, indicators of identity are taken so much for granted. Um, and territory is one of them. Um, in Turkey, you know, the idea of nationalism, nationality is very prominent. You know, the Turkish state boundaries is always kind of seen as sacred. Um, uh, it's a very uh, state, you know, uh, very traditional kind of state understanding of state. And then we imagine everyone within those uh, boundaries as belonging to a particular identity. So um, the, the, intellectually, these uh, were never fully made sense to me. Um, and I wanted to question that. Um, and I've always been interested in maps um, and these territorial imaginations of identities, um, map drawing and so on and so forth. So that also was another kind of uh, you know, reason why I, I pursued this. But, ba but I basically wanted to question the taken for grantedness of, of territory and also the you know um, the gap in the in the literature on on concept on the concept of territory as you said is is quite you know it's changing now but it was particularly the case um, when I started my PhD um, and in the case of Kurds um, despite territory and territoriality territorial imagination being such a central um, notion in, in the construction of Kurdish nationalism and historiography, it hasn't been studied almost at all. Um, so I wanted to also pursue that and you know, do something uh, that would contribute to the literature. On Definitely, topic. and I think it's a very significant contribution given that there's a huge gap in the literature, especially when we look at uh, the uh, growing Kurdish studies um, literature, but also uh, the broader literature of international relations. So, but despite that, the number of dissertations, articles, and books focusing on the territorial, like focusing on the question of territory, both its ter uh, theoretical and empirical dimensions, have been growing. Uh, in political theory, um, we know there is Margaret Moore, David Miller. They are looking at the question of territory, but also territorial rights who belong to where and who is entitled to uh, that particular territory, especially in terms of conflicting interests. On the other hand, we have those comparative, more empirical studies uh, looking at the question of secession, self-determination. And I think in your book, uh, you, you actually uh, connect these different kinds of uh, discussions, ongoing discussions on the question. That's why it is something difficult to do. Um, so, that's why it is a kind of multi multidisciplinary work which lies at the intersection of different fields. But I'm wondering, Zeynep, I'm wondering where you prefer to uh, create your book within this broader picture. I mean, Dilan, you're absolutely right. It's um, it's an interdisciplinary work, um, and I, uh, I. Again, like you know, it's, it's kind of I don't want to categorize it in a way that it's particularly in this in this field or that field, um, because it's very hard to do that uh, because it belongs to um, multiple. So I, I benefited inside from insights, intellectual, um, analytical, theoretical, conceptual insights, empirical insights from all those. Um, uh, disciplinary perspectives you just you just mentioned they all informed the work um, 
and that's one of the reasons I ended up, uh, you know, uh, dropping on. So, somehow, when I was working, when I started working, I was very much, you know, focusing on IR and the curve. But the more I started to go into the issue of identity, a construction of identity, territory, I ended up diving into political geography, um, nationalism, literature. Um, and then also um, the work ended up becoming very historical. So I also started to you know, uh, have, a, have a historical approach. So it's been, it's been, it turned into a book that it's impossible to allocate where it is um discipline where it's home discipline uh, and i think in the process i've also lost my own home discipline i don't know which discipline i belong to now <laughs> so i i kind of yeah i teach ir i it's kind of it's a familiar background for me um but at the same time um i do uh political sociology political historical sociology um so on and so forth so i think it's a it's, 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 I would say it's a historical sociology is the, is, is a very, you know, strong element, uh, for sure in my, in my work, um, as an approach, um, to understanding, uh, how, um, in the long term processes, um, uh, political processes change and how they are, um, changing in interaction with the changing international relations. Um, so therefore, international relations is also very, very central. So I would say international relations and historical sociology uh, are the main things. And it's funny, I keep coming back to those those themes in my work. Uh, when I, I did my master's in Turkey and my uh, master's dissertation was international historical sociology of international relations. So that's when I first met with the with this kind of approach. And I think that really shaped my um my general understanding of of things so very abstract very um uh, hardcore ir theories um don't fully in my opinion explain things as if they 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 lack the flesh the empirical uh, uh, you know uh, data import in, you know information uh, and historical sociology i think gives me an ability to um have this you know historical empirical but long-term kind of generalizable um, information. Uh, so, yeah, so that's where I am basically. It's a very general, it has a very general approach of it. It's very long-term, so I don't go into detail into too much on, on the case studies um, or in the you know, history of the Kurdish nationalism, history of the Kurdish politics. So it's a very broad over, uh, overlook. So therefore, it still has the IR elements, I think, in terms of yes, understanding yeah, the interaction. Yeah, so very long answer to your uh, very good question is, uh, I guess, yeah, IR and historical sociology would be the main kind of... It also, Zainab, uh, I think we need this kind of contributions, especially within the field of IR. I mean, we need this kind of challenges coming from the inside of the discipline, who, like, especially from those scholars who know the jargon the basics of the literature and uh, ir but also who can go beyond that so that uh, help us to understand the connections between ir but also other subfields in political science and sociology that's why it is a kind of this book is kind of very uh, rich in terms of um, reconsidering the contours the limits of those kind of subfields at the same time i guess uh, so if you go back to the previous question 
Uh, I want to give you a little more time, especially to elaborate further on the main contributions of your work uh, to these literatures, both IR, Kurdish studies, political geography, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in my um, my main starting point for for this thesis and that's uh, I think remain a key focus is to bring the uh, study of Kurds, the case of Kurds, into the study of international relations. Um, as a uh, as a case, it hasn't been. Um, Utilized or used in in IR, and I think it's a very rich case, and it, it helps uh, uh, question a lot of um, concepts in IR, or 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 um, you know help us uh, explore uh, the empirical impl- implications of 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 the theory. Um, it's a complex case; it's a non-state case. Uh, it very much challenges the you know state. Uh, level explanations, um, and then it's a um, it's a case in which uh, there has been a strong element of desire to form a state. So the idea of state is there, uh, but the physical entity of state isn't there in the case of Kurds. And I think empirically this is very interesting, and I think it you know poses a different challenge to 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 IR. The other aspect of it is the um, study of nationalism. Obviously in IR. Um, um in my opinion nationalism is very uh is 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 studied in a very simplistic way so not i don't think especially when i was when i started my phd then um the very rich conversation the nationalism studies around identity construction uh the modernist perspectives uh perennialist perspectives and the different kind of explanations um these theories provided on on a variety of cases across the world, uh, which explains uh, you know the uh, processes of state formation, World War One, post World War One, you know Cold War, all those processes with a very different lens. You know, it's sociological, it's historical, uh, it's political. Uh, so, me, you know, exploring that literature has been very informative for me, um, and uh, it was very refreshing as well, coming from a very kind of traditional IR training. Um, so, it, I also wanted to use the insights from the study of nationalism uh, in my work and bring this discussion into IR to kind of open up the concept of nation, uh, to co- open up the concept of state uh, and territory. Uh, and question these concepts um, through the tools that you know come from from the study of nationalism uh, and nations and ethnicity. Um, so that's kind of uh, my goal. And I think um, nationalism, uh, so in a way, um, in a way, it kind of became an eclectic uh, eclectic study. Uh, but I, finally, I wanted to also contribute to the study of the Kurdish. Uh, politics um, um, in in the study of Kurdish politics, you know, it's becoming much. You know, there's a, there are lots of very valuable work has been produced on on the, on the Kurds, especially in the last uh, fifteen years, uh, twenty years, and this literature is getting richer and richer, and more and more uh, people from different disciplines are 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 working on on the Kurds, uh, which is brilliant. Um, but um, it, it's still um, 
you know, the the dominant, the, you know, I think I guess the um, majority of the work on the Kurds, um, uh, you know, looks at, looks at a bit of have a narrower focus in terms of uh, geographically or 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 historically, you know, periodically, um, and and usually. Um, it's, it's some of most of the work is more micro level. Um, this big picture on this big picture, and the long term uh, study of the Kurds is made mainly in a very classical, traditional, historical uh, account of the Kurds um, and their activities and their political activities. So I wanted to go a little bit beyond that and uh, and and look at it, look at this case from a more theoretical perspective, you know, and kind of use this case to. Um, create a bit of a more uh, theoretical discussion, uh, which I think, you know, a Kurdish case is a lot to offer to to these theoretical discussions around identity formation and and state formation and so on and so forth. And then I think these debates have a lot to offer to Kurdish studies. Um, and you know, well, basically that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to kind of build bridges in my own way uh, between these these different uh, fields, which was difficult because um, I had to go through so much, so much literature and so many debates. Um, and several times on, on the way, I lost my way because I didn't know where it was going. It was just too much to, to bring in because the scope was big. The, historically, it was a long-term period, geographically, a very wide region, but also intellectually, conceptually, theoretically, I was delving into so many so many different things and i was worried about the work being superficial and um you know general because of that uh, because you know you're just doing too much type of thing uh, but i also wanted to keep that you know big picture um, side of things and focus on the very much focus on the idea of territory and and how this has been shaped in the kurdish case in relation to the wider international Processes changes in the notions of legitimacy, state formation, so on and so forth. Because usually Kurdish politics is studied without much connection to the international processes, and if it's studied in that context, it's usually in the in the in the context of you know foreign policy or um, more kind of classical uh, foreign relations kind of perspective rather than more theoretical uh, IR discussions. Um, so that's what I tried to do, basically. Yes, definitely. And also, you make it very clear that uh, you try to also uh, link Kurdish nationalism to international normative frameworks. That's also another challenge, I think. Uh, but you did a very good job in the book, uh, and I'm very happy to have you today. Uh, but I would like to also, I would like to also go deeper, a little uh, more deeper into the theoretical contributions that you make here in this book. And it's obvious that a theoretical comp- contribution is not the only one that you make because you also connect uh, uh, like uh, politics on the ground to certain historical processes and you show us how it evolves over time. But I'm really curious, especially about the argument that you make here. Um, and I want to share this with our uh, audience now. Like, how do you think your argument uh, and theoretical framework in this book reshape our understanding of the relationship between territory, state, um, Kurds, but also Kurdish nationalism? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wouldn't want to make the bold claim of reshaping. I think my contribution is a very like humble <laughs> contribution to, to these discussions. Um, so I wouldn't want to... Um, I think it's just just basically I'm, I would I wanted to open a discussion on these on these issues uh, and question these things more uh, without I guess uh, not going into the very much you know what is right and what is wrong does Kurdistan exist or not you know I was really I wanted to go beyond these questions I'm not saying these questions are invaluable or shouldn't be discussed anything like that nothing nothing like that of course um, but coming from my own kind of uh, background and story of uh, for identity formation you know and i i think as individuals we have a lot more autonomy about our identity so we are not born into it in my opinion uh, we don't uh, we are not determined by uh, by where we are born and our blood and blah blah, blah all those traditional nationalist kind of uh, conceptions of identity, um, and it mainly comes from maybe from my background because um, you know b- being born in Eastern Turkey, um, I have a very mixed ethnic background, um, and uh, I grew up not necessarily really thinking about identity that much. Um, so I was, you know, my mom is Circassian; she has Kurdish uh, family, and my dad. Uh, Turkish, um, Croatian, and then also some Armenian, in also in the mix. So it's just it's, it's a bit of everything, and lots of people I think in that part of the world, and in any, anywhere, you know, we 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 are our identities are so layered and mixed and um, multidimensional, and there's also the element of you know our own individual uh, realizations of our of, of ourselves. So. Um, Therefore, um, in the case of Kurdish nationalism, I wanted to kind of go beyond these, you know, uh, debates around around that, and then kind of really try to understand, um, you know, this, the, the idea of Kurdishness, the idea of Kurdistan uh, and territory, um, without necessarily uh, falling into this, you know, uh, uh, you know, are you pro-Kurdish? Are you non-pro-Kurdish? You know, because our field is very much dominated by these by these debates as well like in any other field that politically it's a very uh you know sore subject for many people uh including me you know we we it's a it's a it's a, it's an ongoing issue um so intellectually engaging with these issues is, is always jarring and you know uh is 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 not easy in uh, emotionally and, and otherwise, so I, I'm aware of these things. It's kind of the, my that was basically um, trying to understand, you know, um, what is what is territory? What is this link between nation and and territory or people and territory? Where does it come from? Um, and then how does it how is it shaped by the international processes? You know, kind of almost trying to show 
in any case, in any territory, whether it's a state territory or not, whether it was it has a historical background or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it does. It's not no no territorial conception, no territorial identity is natural, uh, whether it's a state territory or not. So that's kind of my my take on the on the question. Yes, um, uh, yes. Also, you use mm-hmm. uh, the map of Greater Kurdistan uh, as an example as an example to unpack. Uh, your arguments, I think, and show different, uh, like points, minor points, um, in the argument, uh, and because because you also say that political maps have the power to influence our imaginations, and I definitely agree with that. Um, but it's interesting to see that the map of Kurdistan is not only used by uh, Kurds but also uh, scholars. Uh, so that's the another that's another important point that you make. Uh, but towards the end, uh, when I was reading the book, um, I also uh, saw that you make uh, another statement, uh, which I find thought-provoking. You say intra-group divisions among Kurds can can be considered as a strength because Kurdish actors benefit from different circumstances, um, and also they can uh, take advantage of that. Uh, However, um, I have some reservations with that. Uh, I'm really curious about your elaboration. Uh, so uh, what are the main barriers to Kurdish unity? And how do you think that marginalized groups can take advantage of this disunity of the existing situation, um, current international system, which is still state-centered? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. So that's kind of a, it It came as an afterthought um, when I was, when I, you know, I, I, it, it's, so there is no discussion on that, as you probably saw in the rest of the book. It was kind of a, like, post-elaboration and discussion. Um, but, but I was thinking of this a lot during, right, when I was writing the section, the chapter on colonization and Kurdish and Kurdistan. Um, and in those debates, and also World War One period as well. Um, so the Kurdish political actors um, were not given the chance to form their own state. Um, and one of the biggest criticisms that was directed towards them was that they are not unified. Um, they don't have a common kind of leadership, political leadership. There are different groups. There are different languages, and etc. and etc. You know the classical debate about the dividedness of the Kurdish uh, Kurdish identity and etc. And I think this is a very um, paternalistic and arrogant view of, of a nation, of a group of people, uh, and, and seeing the divisions as, as, a, as something to be criticized. Uh, because, I mean, when you look at the, again, this is coming from more of the front nationalism studies, uh, when you look at any state, um, in the world of nation states, no state has a unified kind of nationality. The fact that states are saying we are all British, we are all Turkish, we are all this and that doesn't mean that actually um, officially um, that might be the case. Uh, but when you look into the social uh, structure uh, and and the um, and the society itself and its history, its languages, you know, its political uh, issues and geographic locations and everything. Actually, there is no unification. There is no uni- unitedness in that sense that we consider what nation is. So, I just basically, it's a, my that point actually 
tries to um, uh, say that you know this you know the artificial nature of these ideas of nation um, and and the perceptions about unity are actually just perceptions in my opinion you know and they they gloss over the uh, the richness and the dividedness which is not a necessarily a bad thing because this, you know the nation has to be united is a is a myth that has been I think promoted in this nation state process. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from and you say, you know, we're in, in a marginalized group, in a, in a group of people, for a group of people who want to attain statehood or, or recognition internationally. Um, so, you know, it doesn't create a con contradiction. That wasn't my, that wasn't my aim. I wasn't, uh, I'm not trying to say that, you know, they should, they should not, you know, there is no point about they should not be united or they should be united. It's not about that. It's about mainly a frustration with the constant reminder uh, in the Kurdish historiography by external uh, people about the nature of the divided nature of the Kurdish identity and seeing this as a weakness. Um, and uh, so I wanted to kind of challenge that external view of yes. the Kurds. Um, and and I think it, with what I mean with advantages, I don't know in the long term what will happen, but I think this um, uh, rich context has enabled the Kurdish politi political actors to be very flexible uh, and adjust to the new circumstances, you know, make new alliances um, and, and somehow survive uh, very difficult uh, and challenging political processes and contexts throughout the 20th century, you know, 19th century and, and today. Um, so that's what I meant with, you know, give strength because it gives them as political actors uh, more kind of flexibility and, uh, and uh, adaptability. So that uh, they can also navigate around uh, very difficult uh, situations, maybe. Uh, yes, yeah, that's exactly what yeah, I meant. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also this is, of course... Uh, one way uh, reading it, but on the other hand, um, it will uh, maybe bring its own crisis. Uh, so that's why Kurds are trying to deal with uh, that uh, in full force, uh, even if uh, they also continue to fight each other. Uh, this uh, bring us to the next question, uh, and you—it's uh, about Sy Syrian war. Uh, the case of Rojava, uh, you, you also use that example uh, and you also offer us uh, many other examples in the book. Uh, that's why I find it rich. Uh, so you argue that the Syrian war itself uh, increased the competition between Kurdish parties, but also increased cooperation. Um, can you please tell us how this dual process has been working on the ground? Mm hmm so I think um, in the case of so like if you talk about you know competition and rivalry is a very you know as you know very well uh, it's a common theme in the Kurdish political historiography, um, and I I think the the Syrian case pretty much brought up the very different two political agendas um, that are prominent in in the contemporary Kurdish political. Arena, uh, the uh, the KRG model, if you like, um, and and the PKK model, and they have very different political positions, ideologies, um, you know, understandings of what a political um, system should look like, um, etc. and etc. 
um, and KRG adopts a more kind of traditional um, nation-state model, uh, whereas PKK challenges challenges this is a much more radical kind of uh, model. Um, and I think uh, with the Syrian case, um, more people became aware of the political uh, uh, kind of uh, arguments that are made by the uh, by the PKK's project. Um, and and the, the divisions became you know become more became more obvious uh, for for each group as well, uh, particularly when they were um, trying to have more kind of uh, uh, political leverage in uh, in what was happening in northern Syria uh, and have an you know influence influence that process. Um, so KRG was especially KDP. Mm-hmm was trying to do that for the PKK. So there was also like that kind of competition going on between them over over shaping what was happening in, in, in Northern Syria in Rojava. So um, so that was the competition side of things. And obviously there are many more examples to this, uh, but this is mainly um, that. And I don't want to take more of your time with, with this. But in terms of cooperation, I think there are elements of cooperation, like you know, military cooperation support, especially um, during the uh, uh, conflict when when ISIS uh, attacked the Yazidis, for instance. You know what? Um, how the uh, how several um, groups, uh, military milita- uh, military groups, uh, cooperated and coordinated with each other to to support the Yazidis, and you know, in that process. Uh, YPG forces played a played a key role, um, and then uh, in, in the case of Kobani is another one. Um, so that kind of more military, more physical cooperation. But what I, I think I want to emphasize in that context more the um, uh, the, the 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 sense of solidarity and the sense of uh, connectedness uh, with the other Kurds across the borders. I think increased. Um, in the case of Kobani, for especially, is a key case. I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a um, really important uh, event. I think in the Kurdish Kurdish history and national history, uh, nationalism history, and the history of nationalism. Um, so it's kind of but with cooperation. I think it's more than cooperation. The sense of connectedness, the sense of shared. Uh, Suffering and sense of shared political goal or uh, connectedness in terms in terms of I think that that was very prominent in my opinion uh, because Kurds from different political backgrounds, ideological uh, positions, and so on and so forth, uh, you know, felt connected. I think you know I'm, I'm not, I don't want to talk on behalf of how they felt because I'm and it's not my position to do that. I wouldn't claim to say this is what Kurds feel or they do. But at least, uh, you know, talking to friends, talking to people, uh, and reading the newspapers and conversations, there was a definitely, I think, a clearly observable sense of connectedness and solidarity in that process. Definitely. And uh, the other question is if it's going to be sustainable or not, and what are the other challenges? And I think that's what we are trying to do also in this example. Or it's my reading that you also try to show us uh, these this, um these controversies. Uh, it, so it means that there's not only uh, one way out of the picture, right? Uh, so uh, that's why uh, it was also interesting uh, to uh, see how competition 
grows together with cooperation and connectedness, as you said, at the same time. So, Zainab, I have two more questions before we go. I also don't want to take so much of your time. So, I'm really curious about this question now that I will ask. If you had a chance to go back, what would you add on to your analysis of Uh, oh. <laughs> and oh, it's so much, so much stuff I would like to add. <laughs> um, what would be the most? I, I think one of the. Um, I would have loved to add more. Um, Can insights from the publications that are uh, produced um, in Turkey, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran uh, by Kurdish or non-Kurdish scholars, but you know, basically scholars who have been who live in the region and who produce uh, those works, more kind of historical works as well. I think I would have loved to do that. Um, the thing is that because I was I was going through I was I had to look into so many different literatures and, and explore so many different ideas. I was really uh, processing too much information. So it just, but there was never enough time for anything. So if, if I was to go back, I, you know, I would have wanted to uh, spend more time doing that. And the other thing I would have liked to do uh, was to spend more time in the archives. Um, Especially, I found the you know the colonial period or the early twentieth century period really fascinating, uh, and I um, uh, I had learned I, I, in the process I learned uh, how to read uh, Ottoman, uh, the old language, with Arabic alphabet. So I wanted to go go to the archives and uh, read uh, read the resources there. But again, never enough time because you know like as, as you know, PhD is just four years. Um, and life happens, you know. I had a, I have a, I had a daughter, a you know, three, three-year-old girl, um, and I was also uh, supporting myself financially, you know, teaching and uh, and trying to do a PhD. So working like almost full time, doing a PhD, having a child, uh, going through a divorce. So it's just like you know, life just gets in the way of so much uh, stuff that you want to do. Uh, so basically, yeah, I would have, if I was to go back, I would have liked to have more time uh, and explore those, especially those two two uh, sources more uh, and incorporate them into into the analysis. Yes, thank you. Um, of course, uh, learning Ottoman is uh, is not easy task, I think. But uh, here, I think in this book, you achieved something more difficult than that. And I don't want to uh, underestimate uh, anyone's contribution. Here in this uh, book, uh, you use historical materials uh, to um, to make us understand and to explain some normative questions, which is uh, quite rare uh, in the in the literature in the in this scholarship, actually, because most of the histori- historians, I think, they know history well; they know how to read archives. But when it comes to these kind of uh, ongoing discussions in IR or in other fields of political science, we don't uh, see many people who can do both, right? So um, that's why I think uh, I strongly recommend everyone uh, to read the book uh, so we can have uh, more exchange 
uh, on the book uh, and uh, we can also learn uh, more from each other. Uh, so the final question, uh, Zeynep, uh, again, um, this is uh, coming from the personal side of me. <laughs> um, I'm really uh, curious uh, whether you have any suggestions or advice for PhD students or other scholars interested in similar topics such as Kurds, Kurdistan, history, international relations, political geography, and so forth. I think um, intellectually, I think one of the things that are um, interesting to explore um, is these, you know, how how Kurdish political actors and Kurdish politics on the ground is um, contributing to the change uh, in the Middle East, in the region, and internationally, you know, challenging or contributing to these um, ideas around nationalism, territory, politics, democracy, uh, human rights, you know, so there is a lot of, there is a lot, you know, like any case is very rich, uh, so is the Kurdish case, but the Kurdish case is particularly rich because it's uh, situated in a very interesting long-term historical context, you know, the Ottoman and post-Ottoman World War One processes, um, the nature, you know, the, the the politics of the Middle East, um, that history, and then uh, four different nation states, um, uh, and then the Kurds uh, as as a marginalized uh, group, uh, you know, it, the, the discussions around it is embedded in democracy and human rights and several several aspects. So it's a it's a case that can be can contribute immensely into wider debates in the literature. Uh, on in IR or in political geography or uh, or history, uh, and I think uh, you know like more more kind of theoretical conceptual discussions on on building on this empirical case uh, would be fascinating to see. Um, and I, I was some that was something I was really uh, I really wanted to see in the when I was you know any, reading the books on the Kurds. And, and articles on the Kurds, um, um, I wasn't able to find uh, too much, you know, uh, what's to say, conceptual, theoretical, um, you know, things to kind of, you know, dig my dig my teeth into and then explore. Uh, and and I, that would be great to do, to do that in the in the long term. Um, the other thing um, I would say um, it's a lot of you know, it's a very because it's this, it's a very sensitive topic. There is a lot of you know personal, uh, you know, uh, what's that called? That I found I found personally I find uh, I found the whole uh, PhD process sometimes uh, emotionally difficult. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of like boundaries and divisions and polarizations that happens in politi- any political issue, and and these are very you know obviously that's kind of what makes discussions very rich and important. Uh, but then this sometimes comes with a personal cost. Um, um, and, and, you know, this, you know, and hinders conversation and, and interaction and dialogue sometimes, in my opinion. Um, and this is the case, I think, in many politically sensitive issues, so is, as well as in the case of the Kurds. So um, I would 
suggest to PhD students in the future to kind of, um, you know, talk to anyone, whatever their background is or, or their intellectual position is or their ideological political position is, you know, um, and there's a lot to be discussed in that, in that, in that, you know, intellectual dimension as well. Um, and, um, you know, keeping the dialogue open, keeping the conversation open, uh, so that the Kurdish, you know, the literature on the Kurds um, progresses, uh, you know, more quickly and, and grows even even more than it is now. I completely agree. Uh, and also I hope young people, especially emerging scholars and the youth, especially Kurdish youth, uh, will also find this podcast inspiring, uh, Zeynep. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I was very happy to have you today as our first first guest for the Kurdish Studies series of uh, New Books Network. Thank you, Dilan, for having me on board. And thank you very much for your kind words uh, on my book. And it was lovely to talk to you. Um, and wishing you all the best uh, for the podcast going forward. Thank you very much, Zeynep.